0: Welcome to LifeQuest Liberty, live, in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your LifeQuest Liberty host, Charles Mills. One Nation Under God What's so hard to understand about that? It means that we should be a God-loving, God-fearing, God-obeying country, right? It means that God is our king and we should all serve him, right? So America must be a Christian nation, right? Bettina Krause, editor of Liberty Magazine, joins us today via Skype to discuss that concept in detail. This program is sponsored by Liberty Magazine. Bettina, what exactly does it mean to be a Christian nation?
1: Well, first of all, Charles, I have to say you are the master of provocative introduction. (laughs) (laughs) That was quite a setup to this topic. But you are right in that what you have expressed there in the introduction is the view of many people yes. in our nation today. And you ask, what is a Christian nation? And I guess there's a couple of ways we can slice and dice that question. Mm-hmm. So you can define a Christian nation as a nation that's institutionally Christian. That is where the state is explicitly embracing Christianity as a national religion. Mm-hmm. Now, it might surprise you to learn that, England is a prime example of this sort of institutional Christian nation because the head of state, the Queen of England, is both the head of the nation and the head of the Church of England. So we can say that England is institutionally a Christian nation. Now, of course, we can exclude that immediately from the American experience, of course. You just need to read the First Amendment to realize that we have been established, we have been founded as a nation that does not establish a national religion that is explicitly laid out in our constitution.
0: Okay, well, that's one type of Christian nationalism. What's another?
1: So another way of thinking about Christian nationalism or a Christian nation is to say, well, this is a Christian nation because a majority of the citizens are Christians. Mm, Okay, all right. And that is the way many American Christians feel today that there is sort of this cultural and social heritage of Christianity that has defined our lives, the way society is structured, many of the it's sort of infiltrated our institutions and we see or perceive that America is a Christian nation because we are a majority population of Christians. Mm-hmm. Yet you know, this doesn't really bear out the reality today in terms of the demographic shifts that have been happening with a steady decline in white Protestant Christian population. This idea that we have historically been a Christian nation in the sense that the majority of individuals have been Christian, this is not wrong. I mean, this is not inherently wrong. However, it can... Embrace ideas that are very destructive because what happens when you start to say, well, you know, culturally and historically America is a Christian nation. You start to then take it a step further and say, then today you can't be a true American Mm -hmm. unless you're like up, unless you are a Christian. And so Christian nationalism becomes entangled with many other social forces like populism. It becomes sort of a an unholy soup of things like populism, of fear of the alien, whether that's, yeah. <laughs> this is not new, back in the 1790s, yeah. we had fear of the papists. They were the alien of the day. Today, perhaps it's illegal Mexican immigrants, yeah. but yeah. there's this demonization of anyone who doesn't fit within our own understanding of what an American is. And so we see anything that is different to, and let me just say, white Protestant Christianity, we say this somehow weakens our idealized idea of what constitutes a unified, traditional national culture. It's diluting our foundations.
0: But, Bettina, by its very nature, by its very definition, isn't Christians supposed to be all-inclusive? Isn't Christianity supposed to be the type of society, the type of culture that accepts everyone? Because that's what Christ did, and if you are called by his name, you're going to act like he did, and he doesn't act like what I see today people calling themselves Christian acting like.
1: Right. You know, you have put your thumb right on it, Charles, because— the expression of Christianity as it's expressed through Christian nationalism doesn't reflect true biblical values. Right, now, I, right. I traveled recently up to Philadelphia and I visited a museum. It's a new museum called the Liberty and Faith Discovery Center. Hmm. And it's a whole museum that's devoted to how the Bible has influenced the development of the American Republic. Now, as we're thinking about Christian nationalism, we could... We could see that this could potentially go in a lot of, you know, dangerous directions and feed into these narratives of America being exclusively for Christians and populated by Christians as true Americans. So I was a little nervous as I went to this museum, you know, how would it portray the role of faith and the role of Christianity in the development of America as we know it today? And, you know, I was stunned as I walked around these exhibits Because piece by piece, right back from William Penn, who founded Pennsylvania, who interpreted the idea of brotherly love as extending religious freedom to people who weren't Christian, and he felt that even non-Christians deserved freedom of conscience. Mm. It was a biblical notion that he used to enlarge the society and to increase the inclusiveness and to reflect more fully the idea of free will that God gives each one of us. You follow the story of the American Republic, you know, through to now the civil rights era. You have Martin Luther King Jr. and his idea of bringing justice to all God's children. You know, again, someone who is engaged in the public space, enlarging our idea of what justice means and of what inclusivity means. And he's fueled by biblical notions. And so we have wonderful wonderful examples throughout the history of our nation of how faith has played an absolutely central role in actually allowing people of many different faiths and nationalities and and social backgrounds and ethnicities allowing them to live together. And so biblical values Far from driving us to be exclusive and to be hostile to people who we perceive are different, Mm. biblical values have traditionally and today can still continue to drive us towards a more just, a more embracing, and a more civil public sphere.
0: So the problem with Christian nationalism, as you see it, is not the fact that it exists the problem is the definition of christian that we find in christian nationalism there's something amiss there is that what you're saying
1: well of course christian nationalism as a phrase has taken on you know connotations that are something we would not want to be associated with but the idea of a patriotic christian of a christian who brings their faith who brings their values and allows that to fuel their activity in the public space for the good of everyone, not just Christians. That, to me, is a wonderful example and definition of how we, as Christians, as people of faith, can bring our values into the public space in a way that uplifts everyone.
0: I want you to put your theological hat on for just a minute. How on earth, Bettina, did we get where we are, where we have so misread what it means to be a Christian that we are trying to turn our country into something based on our misconception of Christ?
1: You know, that's a very good question. It's a million-dollar question, and if I had the answer, I could give up my day job.
0: (laughs) That's true. (laughs) uh,
1: But there are clues. I mean, I spoke recently to the sociologist Robert Wathno. He's a very well-known sociologist of religion about his new book, uh, talking about faith in the public space. But he has written other books that have explored this very same question, of what has taken us to this place of polarization. Yes. And one factor that he identifies is fear. Hmm. And if you consider it, there are different factors which drive this fear and which we can maybe not sympathize with or or empathize with, but, but perhaps we can understand. And So you see, for instance, parents who hold to a traditional understanding of human sexuality and they're seeing their children being taught that their parents who express these views are are bigots. There's there's fear that is generated here. There's a sense of us against them. You know, you have this sense of increasing powerlessness. You have a sense of maybe growing militant secularism, where you have a feeling that something important is being lost from the public space, something that's, that's very dear to you, something that resonates with you as a person of faith. But this is all fear-driven thinking. This is not really getting at the heart of the issues that we face in society today. Because, you know, I believe that each one of us I believe that our values, our our deeply held values, our biblically driven values, should lead us to a posture of engagement with others, not to a posture of fear, not to a posture of hostility. And I think, in a way, we need to choose sides. We need to say, which way is my faith leading me? Which way are my deeply held values leading me? Will I allow fear to drive my rhetoric, to drive my actions? Or, will I rely <laughs> on the promises of someone who is far greater than me, who has more control over the situation oh, yes. than I ever will? Yes. Oh yes,
0: and someone who said over and over and over again, "Fear not, what a beautiful lesson that you have implanted in our minds today, Bettina, We really, really appreciate that. Bettina Krauss, editor of Liberty Magazine, has been our guest today. Listener, we invite you to the website libertymagazine.org. Bettina, give us a 30-second elevator pitch here on why someone should go to libertymagazine.org.
1: Well, (laughs) I'm biased, but I would say libertymagazine.org is a one-stop place for provoking thought. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a range of authors addressing issues of the day which are in the headlines, but we address them from the perspective of faith, from the perspective of religious freedom, and we invite readers to join the conversation, to think, to be engaged, to take what they learn and to apply it in their everyday lives.
0: Very, very good. LibertyMagazine.org. Bettina, thank you so much for sharing what's on your heart today. We appreciate it.
1: That's a pleasure.
0: Listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Bettina Krause inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today.